0: Thank you for listening to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast, other resources, and our church, please visit us online. We hope that today's message will be an encouragement and a help as you grow in your walk with God. Well, let's take our Bibles let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be continuing our series, actually finalizing it today. Uh, the series that we have been in on the King of Heaven Come, looking at a verse-by-verse walkthrough of Luke chapter 1 and verse 2. And, uh, you know, I was feeling a little bit off a little bit in the sense that, hey, it's a new year, and, you know, usually, uh, you come to church on New Year's, you want to hear a new year, new you kind of a message, right? And we're going to fix all the problems of 2022, and everything's going to be okay for a few hours in 2023. Uh, but truthfully, uh, there's no one who can really change you. There's no message that's going to change you. Only God Himself can change you. And so, if you're the kind of person who, uh, you know, every year makes New Year's resolutions and every year struggles to keep those resolutions, I want to to remind you and ask you, who are you putting your strength in or who are you trying to resolve? Are you trying to do it yourself or are you allowing God to do that work and that difference and make that difference in you? And so it's all about him and I'm all about New Year's resolutions. I'm all about freshness. I love the fact of a new year that uh, it's a time for fresh focus. Uh, for me, it's a time of fresh commitment uh, as, as what God has called me to do and for our family. I know for me, one of the best parts about January 1st is starting a new Bible reading plan. And uh, I was so excited yesterday to be able to check off that last box, Uh, and I try to read through the Bible through in a year, uh, every single year, and so to check off that last box, you say, Pastor, did you read the entire Bible in a year last year? I missed a few days. I'll be honest with you, I did miss a few days, and so no, I didn't complete it, but I did go back and I made sure I caught up on it. So I didn't hit it every day, but I did my best, and so starting a new reading plan today, and uh, I would encourage you to do that as well. I think that's very important to make the new year a time of getting in the Word. Uh, But this morning, we're going to continue our series, as I mentioned. And uh, we're going to look at three final responses to the arrival of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been studying. We've been studying how people responded to the announcement of Jesus Christ and now how they responded to his actual arrival. And what we're going to see in these responses today, I believe, can be an example for all of us to follow as we head into the new year together, as we step forward into 2023. And so we're going to pick up this story. We're just going to get right into it today. And I'll begin reading in verse number 21 of Luke chapter 2. I hope you've got your Bibles. You can follow along with me on the screen. Uh, But we'll read verses 21 through 24 here to begin. And so verse 20, I'll just read that real quickly. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. We covered that in last week's message. And when eight days were accomplished, verse uh, 21 When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And also to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The first response that I want us to see in this passage this morning is simple, faithful obedience. Faithful obedience we see here when we're speaking about Mary and Joseph. You know, as per Jewish law, uh, in Leviticus chapter twelve, whenever a new baby was born, uh, there was a series of customs that the family was to follow. There was, in fact, different. Uh, s- there was different customs that were followed depending on which, if the baby was a boy or if it was a girl. And so here we see Mary and Joseph with their new baby Jesus, as no exception, obeying what the law told them to do. And so we see here in our passage, we see that eight days after his birth, Jesus went through the ritual of circumcision, which of course was a symbolization of the nation of Israel, their separation from the Gentiles, and their unique relationship with God. As well, what we see is after 40 days, Jesus was brought into the temple there at Jerusalem, and he was brought to be presented to the Lord and to bring the purification offering. Uh, Typically, this was done by a lamb that would be brought and would be, of course, offered up uh, in this situation. But if the family was too poor to afford a lamb, as we see mentioned in these verses, then two turtle doves or two young pigeons could be brought instead. This is mentioned here, and it helps us to understand that Jesus was born into poverty. And so we understand that he was born into poverty. He was not born into some wealthy family. Jesus was born into difficult circumstances, now, what is so interesting about the idea of the two pigeons or the two turtle doves, I want you to understand the symbolism here, is that one of the doves was offered as a sin offering. So they were both brought, and one of the doves was offered as a sin offering, the other as a burnt offering. The sin offering symbolically transferred all of the sinner's guilt... Onto that, uh, onto that dove there, and it became the substitute where the burnt offering symbolically transformed all of the virtue uh, or the redemption of the substitute to the sinner. There's some really unique uh, symbolism there. I'm not going to dig into it too much. You can maybe uh, look at it up yourself, but there was some unique symbolism that was taking place here. As well, we see in the passage that Jesus was presented to the Lord at the temple there. This, of course, was an acknowledgment of the parents that uh, this child belonged to the Lord. He is the one who gives life. He is the giver and taker of life, as we know Scripture tells us. And so bringing the child to the temple and presenting him to the Lord is saying, I recognize where this gift came from. That's why a few weeks ago, you know, we had all those parents lined up up here with all those new babies, and they wanted to present their child to the Lord. It's an acknowledgment of who is in control of that child's life. It's acknowledgment of who that child's Savior is. And so they brought him to the temple, and there was this pre- uh, presentation that took place. We see this first happening in Exodus chapter 13, but it was also during this presentation ceremony, something very unique happened where the parents would bring uh, five, what were called sanctuary shekels with them to the temple, and they would make that offering, and it was, a symboliz- it, was it was symbolic of them, in essence, uh, the redeeming of the child. So they would present the child to the Lord. They would give these sanctuary shekels as a redemptive price to redeem. Receive that child back. And they say, that's kind of weird, paying to get your child back. Again, this is all steeped in ritualism and, and, and just not ritualism, but in, in, a, in a understanding their symbolism, what is happening here. And the idea is that one day that child would be redeemed. This is speaking, of course, prophetically of the Redeemer who was to come. Now, for Mary and Joseph, of course, they knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They knew that he was going to change everything. They didn't completely know how he was going to change everything, but they knew things were going to happen. But what I want to notice here is that. Even though they knew that he was in fact the promised Messiah, they still lived their life in obedience to the law. Because Jesus' relationship with the Jewish law is an important part of his saving ministry. I want to just point this out to us real quickly when we talk about Jesus and the Jewish law. See, scripture teaches us that Jesus was made under the law. That's Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. And though he rejected man's religious traditions, he still obeyed the perfectly the law of God. The other thing that we see in Scripture is that Jesus also bore the curse of the law. And as well, ultimately, he set us free from bondage to the law, as it teaches us in Galatians. Now, for Mary and Joseph, they didn't fully understand what was happening here. They didn't have a full comprehension of of all that Jesus was about to do. They didn't know the impact that their newborn son was going to have on this world and for the generations and thousands of years to come. But they did understand that they needed to be obedient and they needed to be in submission to what they knew they should be doing. You know, they weren't like, hey, this baby's the Messiah, so forget all this stuff, right? You know, like, oh, when are you going to take Jesus up to the temple? Ah, he's the Messiah, it's all good. We don't need to do that kind of stuff anymore. No, 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 they still remained obedient to what they knew they should do. They live their lives in obedience to what had been revealed to them already. And this is the amazing example that I want us to see here when it comes to responding to the gift of the Savior that even though we know what he does, even though we know the freedom that he brings, uh, we don't just live our lives in, in some crazy way. We still live in obedience to his word and to what he has given to us. See, so often we focus our time and attention on the things that cannot be known rather than living in obedience to what is clearly known. See, uh, Joseph and Mary, they didn't know what all was to come, but they lived in obedience to what they did know they should be doing in that moment. And see, that's the responsibility that every single believer has. We don't know what the future holds for us. You and I don't know what 2023 has for us. There are so many unknowns. But let me ask you this. Has that ever changed? You know, has there ever been a year when you knew what was going to (laughs) happen? Let's talk about 2020, right? Let's talk about 2021, I mean, so many things that I just did not expect to happen in my life happen. And it's because we never know. The future is always unknown. So what are we supposed to do in that moment? What are we supposed to do while we're waiting for God to reveal his truth to us? Well, we obey what we know to be true. We follow his word, what has been revealed to us, what has been given to us. And so Mary and Joseph here give us a great example of a a couple that had a lot of unknowns in their life, yet they remained focused and obedient to what they knew they should do. I think for all of us, this is a great example and a great example to follow when it comes to 2023. You may not know what's ahead for you. You may have some hopes and dreams. You may have some plans that you've got in place, but ultimately what it always comes back to is am I obedient to what God has revealed to me right now? Am I obeying God? Am I living as a person that is set apart for Christ and set apart for his work in my life? Is my life bringing him glory? You say, how do I do that? It's so simple, you just get into the word understand who God is, understand what he's called you to do, it opens up so much in your life. So faithful obedience is the response that we see here of Mary and Joseph. But as we continue in the passage, we also see spirit-filled living. Faithful obedience and spirit-filled living. Look with me at verse 25. So remember, they're in Jerusalem, they're at the temple. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man, that's Simeon, (laughs) was just... And devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this is a really interesting introduction here to this man named Simeon, who was part of a group of Jewish people that lived their lives in anxious anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah. He was a man of character. I don't know if you noticed there, it says in his early descriptors that he was a man uh, who was just and he was devout. He He had a lot of character in his life, but also that we see he had a rare gift for someone in this period of history is that he had the Holy Spirit of God upon him. Remember, this is before the day of Pentecost. This is before the resurrection. This is before all of that. And yet we see somebody who had the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was a guy that when the Holy Spirit spoke to him and moved him, he obeyed and he lived his life by the Spirit's direction. He was waiting expectantly, notice, for the consolation of Israel. You say, what does that mean? Well, the consolation of Israel is a traditional Jewish prayer, which means praying for the comfort, the peace, and the salvation of Israel. Think about it. it. Simeon was a guy whose prayer, whose whole life was desiring to see his people saved and freed and returned to God man, this would be our prayer for our community, don't you think? I think that we should be a people in a church that's praying for the consolation of East Vancouver. That we should be a group of people that's praying for the salvation of our city. That is possible. That attitude is possible because, I believe, because he was filled with the Spirit. See, when you're the kind of person that allows yourself to practice the presence of the Lord in all things, that you allow the Spirit of God to not be quenched, but to be active and working in you, one amazing thing happens in your life, and that is this, you develop a heart and a desire for other people to know God as well. And that's what we see here with Simeon. He, He desired that his people would be saved. And Simeon here was a very special man, and God had revealed to him through the Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Deliverer, until the Messiah had come. We continue in verse 27 where it says, And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, they took him up in his arm. then took he him up in his arms, and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles in the glory of thy people Israel. We see here Simeon that morning being led by the Spirit, he went to the temple. I think that probably it wasn't a regular thing for him because it says very specifically that he was led by the Spirit. You know, I don't know if it was a Tuesday, right? And he normally went to the temple on Wednesday or Thursday. But either way, the Spirit led him specifically to the temple for this moment. And and as he's there, he's waiting expectantly. I don't know if he was praying. I don't know the situation. But somehow the Holy Spirit of God points his attention to this young family and this new baby. And it says in the verses there that he just went over and he took him up in his arms. He ran over and he just grabbed the baby, right? Have you had somebody do that to you if you're holding a baby and he's come and take it? You parents, I've had it happen before. It's kind of weird, right? You're just like, you're all peaceful and, oh, I got my baby. And then someone just walks up and just snatches that baby, right? I mean, it's kind of disconcerting. So imagine they're at the temple, and they're walking, and they've just done all of this, and this old guy just comes out of nowhere and just, boom, comes and snatches, snatches the baby, takes him away. Hopefully, he asked. But notice what he says as he holds that baby. He says, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. And in verse 30, he says this phrase. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simply what he is saying here is that I can, I can die now, Lord. I can die now. I know that I have seen his salvation. What a powerful statement. I wonder if we can make those kind of statements ourselves. Notice where he says that thy servant depart in peace. That word depart is an interesting word. It has a unique definition because it describes for us the attitude of a Christian when they're facing death. It means to release. It means to untie. It means to set sail. It kind of has a mariner's idea to take down a tent, to unyoke an animal. Basically, it is to completely release. And this is what he's saying here. He says, I I am released now. I I can die. I can leave this world. Why? Because he had seen the salvation of God. See, this is the heart and the mind of the Christian when we look at death. See, our society fears death so much, don't they? But for the believer, we look at death in a completely different way. We see death as a release to something far better, don't we? Because we have seen the salvation of the Lord in 1st Corinthians chapter 15. It says, "O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory?" The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Simeon here understood a peace that only Christians can experience on this earth. See, as believers, we do not fear death like everyone else does. We don't fear death as those uh, who have no hope because our home is sure, because we have seen and we know and we have heard about the salvation of our God. And Jesus is the one who can save us. He is our salvation. In Acts, Peter said, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. I wonder, do you recognize that God is the source of true salvation today? Do you understand and realize that he is The only hope that you have of eternal life. This week, I was talking with somebody uh, in our church, and they've been a part of uh, kind of like an online Bible study thing, and and, uh, and, and, and by the way, I'll just tell you, this is one of the reasons why sometimes I warn you, and I'm just saying, hey, be careful what you're getting into. And they've been involved in it for a while, but they called me this week, and and, uh, they say, hey, pastor, I got a question for you, and they began to kind of describe what was happening in this Bible study where basically uh, what has come out over the last week or so is a works-based salvation. And so the guy began teaching that, you know, uh, yes, you believe in Jesus, but then you also have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and you're going to lose it and, and all of these things. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit started setting off alarm bells in that person's head. And it was like, whoop! Whoops, whoops, like something's wrong here. And, and, and they called me and were like, am I right in this? Like, this does not sound right to me. And I'm so thankful they kind of challenged that person, the teacher, and, and uh, said, I don't know if that's true and, and how God was just revealing all of this. And, and basically what it comes down to, though, is that they believe that salvation is Jesus plus your good works. And scripture is so clear to us that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it is according to his mercy that he has saved us. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. It is him and in him alone. And as Christians, the reason that we're able to look at life and say, I'm not not scared, I'm not terrified uh, at death is because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus and in him alone. It's by faith alone through Christ alone. That is how we are saved. See, Simeon here is is proclaiming the gospel is what he's saying. I have seen salvation. It is in this 40-day-old baby, (laughs) This 40-year-old baby, 40-year-old, sorry, 40, 40 40-day, I knew I was going to say that, 40-day-old baby is salvation. He's the one. I wonder, have you put your trust and your faith in Jesus and in him alone for your salvation? There's probably no better way to start the new year than to get that settled, if you're not sure about that, is to know for sure that heaven is your home through the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. It is not your good works, okay? If you are the one who was responsible for the saving, then you most certainly would be the one responsible for losing your salvation. But because it is Christ who has saved you, it is Christ who has kept you, and there's nothing else. It is Christ and in him alone. And so what is your faith in? Is it in yourself? Is it in your good works? Is it in your upbringing? Is it in all the good things that you have done or you perceive that you have done? Or is it in Christ and in Christ alone? He is the one. And so he says, mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. I can depart in peace because I have seen salvation. All of this happened because of the Spirit's great work within him. We continue, though, and we see the response. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him. They were terrified of this guy grabbing their baby, and then they marveled at what he had said. you got to think to them, this was just constant confirmation that God was actually doing what he said he was going to do. You have to remember, from the time that the angel appeared, how many times did they wonder, was that real? Well, did that actually happen? And then there's the confirmation with Elizabeth and John the Baptist, right? And the whole, the the baby leaping in the womb. And then now we see, even after his birth, we see confirmation continuing to come to this young couple that, yes, there is something very unique about this baby. And Simeon then blesses them in verse 34 in kind of a strange way. He says that he blesses them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against then verse 35, he says, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. He's speaking to Mary saying, listen, you're gonna go through a lot of pain. There's gonna be a lot of challenges. There's gonna be a lot of trials that are to come. He says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is, this is kind of a strange blessing, just so you know. You know, it's not like the Lord bless thee and keep thee and have his face shine upon thee. No, there's some uniqueness here to this, to this uh, blessing that he gives. He exposes something. He says that this child is gonna be a light. And he's he's going to be the kind of light that exposes evil. And because that light exposes evil, he's going to face opposition. He's going to face people coming against him. That opposition will be violent. It will be a piercing. And that piercing will not only penetrate his body and pierce his body and end his life, but it will pierce the heart of his mother as well. There's great suffering that is to come. We learned about that uh, earlier in the service. In one moment, I want you to get this here. Simeon sees the salvation of the Lord and the suffering of Calvary in that one moment. He sees the battle for the human heart. He sees the beautiful, the free gift of salvation through Jesus. And at the same time, he sees the brutal rebellion of man against that gift. See, Jesus would bring light and salvation, yet many would reject his claim as Messiah, and many would reject him altogether. Because with Jesus, understand, there is no neutral ground, church. People either joyfully accept him, or they rebelliously reject him. And it's a pattern that's been ongoing ever since. Because when it comes to our salvation... There is no neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. You're either saved or you are not saved. Jesus is either a savior you love or you hate. The cross says that he loves you, but unbelief in sin says that we hate him. And for our hate, there is a penalty for that. Scripture calls it death in hell, separation from God. But if we believe in faith, we don't deserve it, but we then receive life. And so Simeon here gives her this picture of what is to come. I don't know, I I imagine he was overwhelmed himself by what God had revealed to him in that moment. The beautiful aspect of the Messiah coming, but the harsh reality of the rejection and the suffering and the ultimate death that was to come. For Simeon, this was a day that he had longed for. The Messiah was here. And he could say then, I can go in peace because I've seen the salvation of the Lord. You know, One of the great aspects of being a follower of Christ is that we can just go through life in peace, complete and total peace because of the salvation of the Lord. And I hope that as you head into 2023, and it sounds weird saying it, right? 2023, I've already had to write it once. I was like, this is weird. (laughs) 2023, I don't know what you are going to face. There's probably gonna be some difficulties, there's going to be some challenges for sure, but you can go through it with peace because you've seen the salvation of the Lord. If, if you're not saved today, it's going, to be, it's going to be difficult. But as believers, we have someone to look to, someone that we can rely on, someone that we can find our strength in and is in Jesus and him alone. And Simeon gives us this great example. But finally, as we continue in verse 36, I want you to see also thankful service. So we see the faithful obedience of Mary and Joseph. We see the spirit-filled living of Simeon and how it just, God just used it to direct him to the right place and put him where he needed to be uh, so he could speak the truth into this family and encourage them. But then finally we're introduced to one other lady in verse 36 by the name of Anna. It says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a, say it with me, great age. You know what that means? She was old. <laughs> It even tells us how old she is (laughs) and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. That's 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God. Here's where we learn who she is. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption uh, in Jerusalem. Now, this woman here, uh, Anna, which means grace, was the second person that day to recognize this baby for who he was. And I like how it says that she came in an instant. Did you notice that? I mean, like super quick. To me, she's like that kind of person who just sneaks up on you that you don't know they're there, right? And you turn around, you're like, whoa, yeah, that's what I imagine. This old lady just sort of snuck up behind him and was just right there. And she was excited about what she had seen. We understand a lot about her in verse 36. Like I mentioned, she was a prophetess. This is one of nine that is mentioned uh, in scripture, uh, which means she had a special gift of declaring and interpreting God's message. She was, not, uh, someone, she was not someone who was telling the future, but she was proclaiming the truth of the revealed word of God already. And so we know that she had been married for seven years. So she was married for seven years. Her husband tragically passed away. And now she had been a widow for 84 years. I think that would probably easily put her over 100 years old at this point. But what is so amazing about Anna as we learn about her is that she had chosen to live her life and how she chose to live her life following the loss of her husband. Notice, she departed not from the temple, but she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Here's what we understand about this lady, is that following the tragic loss of her husband, she committed herself and made it her life's work to live in worship, in fasting, and in prayer. I think you and I would agree that this woman was a woman of great faith and of disciplined devotion to follow after the Lord and to serve him for 84 years following this great tragedy in her life. This was how she served God was through worship and prayer and fastings. What does this reveal to us? This tells us that, you know what? It doesn't matter your life circumstances. You can serve God. (laughs) You can be faithful to him. See, the important thing is not how we serve God, but simply if we serve him, if we serve him. See, Anna took what life had given to her and rather than being bitter and rather than being upset and rather than being angry, she saw her circumstances as an opportunity to serve and live her life for the glory of God. And because of her faithfulness, she was able to witness and give thanks for one of the most significant, not the, it is the most significant arrival in all of history, which brings up a thought to me. Seven years, she lost her husband then for 84 years, she served in the temple and then got to experience this amazing opportunity. What if, after 50 years, she said, "You know what? 50 years of praying and fastings pretty good." right? Previous record? 47? held by no, I don't <laughs> You know, I don't think anyone in my lifetime is ever going to beat my record. What if she had done, you know, man, 60 years. For 60 years, I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been seeking the Lord. I've been serving him around the temple. I've been doing all of these things. 60 years, you know what? I think it's time for me to retire. I'm going to take a break from now and I'm just going to rest. No, we don't see that. What we see is a woman being faithful just continually. (laughs) Just continually. We don't even see her. She didn't even say here now. She, She wasn't like Simeon who's like, all right, now I'm done. She didn't say that at all. She just simply gave thanks and gave praise for what she had experienced. I believe if she had ended it early, she would have missed out on that blessing. And I want to encourage you with something as we head into this new year together. For those of you that serve so faithfully here at City Baptist, first of all, I got to say thank you. Thank you so much. 2022 has been a year of transition and adjustment and growth. And those that serve so well in our church family, I mean, have have been willing to do whatever it took to make things, make sure that things are, are moving smoothly. And man, and it's just been amazing. But the temptation that all, all often comes when we are serving the Lord, the temptation comes that we begin to maybe pick a point in the future where we're like, okay, that's when I'm gonna stop serving. That's when I'm gonna maybe back out of that thing or I'm gonna maybe adjust. Now, listen, I'm all for healthy rest and I'm all for life balance. That's very, very important. But the fact still remains that we were created to serve. We were created to serve. God created you with that desire to minister to other people. And if you want to truly know what fulfillment is like in life, it's in serving other people. And so God has created us to serve. And and if you're not serving, I encourage you to get plugged in this year. Uh, If you are serving, stay faithful. Continue on. Continue to to, to keep moving forward because you never know what God has for us in the future. Your best days, I believe the best days are ahead of us for sure, and unless we continue on to be faithful, we might miss out on some incredible blessings that God is going to do. That's not to, you know, I'm not trying to create FOMO in everybody's life, but it's true. You know, I, I've been a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for nine years. And I didn't even really understand or experience the fruit and the joy of youth ministry till it had been many, many, many years. <laughs> and now I've been pastoring for, uh, again, eight years now. And, there, and there's so much joy and longevity in serving God and being faithful in the same way, in the same area and see what God can do. And so I encourage you to be like Anna, faithfully serving. Notice here when that moment came, she began to speak then. She had praise and thanks, and then she began to speak of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I want you to see that there in that last part. I love that. She began to speak about the Lord when she saw him. She began to tell others, he is here. The Messiah is here. We come to verse 39 as we close out the chapter. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. here we get a glimpse into the childhood of Jesus where he was strong in his spirit. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Man, the Savior has come. The King of heaven has come down. And as we close out this chapter, he is just beginning. We're starting to see those glimpses of what's going to radically transform the world that's going to lead to us here today in this building preaching about him still. All of that's just starting to get kicked off. So you say, Pastor, what's the, what's the point of today? What's, the, what's the, the prayer? Well, the question that we've been asking over this last month has been very simple How are you going to respond then? We're watching and we're seeing all of these responses in real time to the announcement and the arrival of Jesus. The question today is, how are you going to respond? How will you respond to the truth about Christ? Maybe there's some of you that you still need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you've been resisting that. You've been putting it off. Can I encourage you to respond in faith to his salvation? Respond in faith. And I'd love to talk to you about that today. For the christian those of you that know christ you've seen the salvation of god yourself you've seen him you know it if you're saved you have that holy spirit of god within you that reveals his truth and 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 shows you and consistently affirms your salvation and so if that's you if you're saved today how are you going to respond how are you going to carry that truth with you into the year ahead my prayer for us this morning as we begin 2023 together is that we'll continue in faithful obedience, in spirit-filled living, and in thankful service. I think those are three great things. You say, is that, that all it's going to take to have a great 2023? I don't know, but it's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great place to begin. And so I ask you this morning, how are you going to respond to Christ? How are you going to respond to the salvation in him? There are so many unknowns, but we do know this. God loves us. He came for us. He gave us life for us. He wants to save you. And for those of you that are saved, he wants to give you purpose and direction as we turn our eyes upon him. And so as we looked at this new year together, that's really my challenge. Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful. I think we're going to sum it up in one word. Let's be faithful. Simeon was faithful to pursue Christ. Uh, Mary and Joseph were faithful in obedience to God. Anna was faithful in the area of service that God had called her to. Let's just be faithful. And I promise you this, if you just remain faithful through the ups and the downs and the difficulties and the trials, you'll maybe get to be a part of, in fact, I know this, you'll get to be a part of God doing incredible things through your life and in our church family. But let's just be faithful, let's be faithful. We hope that you were encouraged by the message today and we would love to hear how God has worked in your life. If you'd like to take the time to visit our website and send us a message through the contact page, we would really appreciate it. Have a blessed day.